Welcome to the August 9th, 2018 edition of the BitcoinNews.com radio show. We cover the full spectrum of Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, and blockchain news just like BitcoinNews.com does 24-7. But on this radio show, we cover some of the biggest stories from the present and the past and the future. This is your host, Space Marine. What is up, everybody? This is Emmanuel, your co-host, Space Cadet. Space Cadet. Tell us how the Bitcoin market is doing today. Definitely Space Marine. Bitcoin is sitting at $6,600 this evening. Thanks, Space Cadet. That's a lot higher than it was at its lows yesterday when Bitcoin hit $6,100. So right now we're $500 above the lows hit yesterday and about $200 above where it was yesterday when we did the show. When we did the show yesterday, it was $6,300. Now for our first story. BitMEX, the Bitcoin Mercantile Exchange, which is the biggest Bitcoin's derivatives market. And derivatives means they trade contracts that represent Bitcoins but aren't actual Bitcoins. And they trade more volume than the biggest Bitcoin exchanges. So these derivatives are more popular for trading than actual Bitcoins, it seems. And they had 1 million Bitcoins of trading volume on BitMEX alone yesterday. And this ties the record set on July 24th when they also had 1 million Bitcoins of volume. But remember, these are derivatives contracts, not actual Bitcoins. And the fact that the derivatives contracts allows them to do something called shorting, they're able to bet on the Bitcoin price going down. So even on a day when Bitcoin's price declined sharply, like yesterday, they had lots of volume because there's lots of demand for shorting the market. So there was probably about 1 million Bitcoins of bets on the market going down. And that might have an impact on the overall global market. When you have such a huge amount of shorting, we're talking like $6 billion of shorting here, possibly. Maybe some of that 1 million Bitcoins was long, but I doubt much of it was because the market was really going down steadily all day. It might have all been shorts. And if it was all shorts, we've had $6 billion of bets that the market would go down. And I think that would harm the overall global Bitcoin market. But it's unknown how much it's harming it. And even if it is, there's no way to stop it. So why think about it? But it's just something to know about that there are derivatives markets and people are making bets on Bitcoin going down. So when Bitcoin goes down, it might go down more than it should because there's so many bets making it go down further. And then today we saw Bitcoin's price bounce back up, which is another indication that it probably went down too much. It's up $500 off the lows. So Bitcoin definitely declined more than it should have. It declined below its equilibrium and now it's rising back towards that equilibrium. So for our next story, since it's listing on Coinbase, Ethereum Classic is down 30%. Tell us more about this, Space Marine. Thanks, Space Cadet. Yes, Coinbase is the biggest exchange that's headquartered in the United States. And in the past, when they've listed coins like Bitcoin Cash, the coins tend to go up. Like Bitcoin Cash went up so much when Coinbase listed it that people thought that there was insider trading and there was a whole investigation, which has come to a conclusion. It was an internal investigation and Coinbase assures everyone that there was no insider trading. Whether that's true can't be known. But regardless, in the past, when coins are listed on Coinbase, it's usually a big boon for that coin. Usually they go up. This time, Ethereum Classic was listed August 7th, and it's declined from about $20 to $15 right now. So Ethereum Classic has seen almost no help. If not, it might have been hurt from being listed on Coinbase somehow. And for people that don't know, Ethereum Classic is a fork of Ethereum, just like Bitcoin Cash is a fork of Bitcoin. And Ethereum Classic was created in July 2016 after someone hacked $50 million out of a community fund. So there was this $168 million community fund for sponsoring good ideas with Ethereum. And it was on the Ethereum blockchain. They would uh, take Ethereum 
and send it to good projects, but someone hacked it and stole $50 million. The Ethereum community decided as a whole to rewind the blockchain to change the code so the hack can't happen again and fork it. But there was a small fraction of the Ethereum community that said that Ethereum should be immutable. It should never be changed. Like if you send a payment, it doesn't come back or is reversed. And that's what immutable means. And by doing this reversal, it makes it not immutable. The Ethereum blockchain and community proceeded with their plan. They forked Ethereum and they had most of the hashing power. So Ethereum reversed the $50 million of transactions by going to a new chain and they fixed their code. But a part of the community decided to stay on the old chain to preserve immutability, even if it was a hack. And these funds were never returned on the Ethereum Classic chain, technically, even though because the Ethereum main chain is the one that really counts. Ethereum is worth like 20 times more than Ethereum Classic. So in the end, the funds were returned, but part of the community just disagreed with that. So they formed a new currency called Ethereum Classic. Basically, there's no benefits to Ethereum Classic versus Ethereum. So maybe this price decreases from people in the United States that didn't have a good way of selling Ethereum Classic before just dumping their coins for Ethereum or Bitcoin because they don't want the Ethereum Classic. I'm just speculating. There's no way to know for sure what caused this price decrease. The story here is that instead of going up, like most coins do when they're listed on Coinbase, Ethereum Classic went down by 30%. And for our next story, Space Marine, we're going to talk about the mysterious founder behind Bitcoin, Mr. Satoshi Nakamoto. Take it away, sir. Yes, Space Cadet. Satoshi Nakamoto founded Bitcoin in 2009. And even though Bitcoin's extremely popular and highly valuable, it came out less than 10 years ago, which is something people don't really realize. And was worth less than a penny for a while after it came out, and now it's worth $7,000. So, today we're going to talk about the history of Satoshi Nakamoto. And one of the most intriguing things about Satoshi Nakamoto is he started up Bitcoin, he wrote the white paper for Bitcoin, and that's the name he put on there. But people don't think that's his name. And there's some sources that we're going to reference today that indicate that was not his name at all. He's just using a pseudonym because he wanted to be secret. He had such faith in this project, he knew it was going to get so big that he didn't want to be known. His identity wasn't out there, so he wouldn't get in trouble later on because the governments totally hate Bitcoin, pretty much. Even if they say they like it or they're doing regulations to allow it, they hate it. It's taking away the thunder from the United States dollar and other fiat currencies. So Satoshi wanted to be hidden. He didn't want to get prosecuted and attacked later on. So shortly after he launched Bitcoin, he worked on it in 2009 and 2010 for a while, but he disappeared around 2010. The first story we're going to be talking about regarding Satoshi Nakamoto is a lawsuit that came out in February of this year, 2018, um, from the estate of Dave Kleinman against Craig Wright, and it has strong evidence that Craig Wright is probably Satoshi Nakamoto. In the lawsuit, there's an email saying from Craig Wright, I need your help editing a paper I'm going to release later this year. I have been doing work on a new form of electronic money, Bitcash, Bitcoin. You are always there for me, Dave. I want you to be part of it all. A following email said, I need your help. You edited my paper, and now I need you to aid me build this idea. And there's hard evidence besides this that Craig Wright and Dave Kleinman transacted Bitcoin on January 12, 2009. This is only nine days after the Bitcoin Genesis block. So there's strong evidence that regardless if these guys were actually Satoshi, they transacted Bitcoin in the very beginning, but the really strong evidence that they're Satoshi is that they mined 1.1 million Bitcoins together, and that's what this lawsuit is over. 
And this data I'm telling you is from the lawsuits and official legal papers online uploaded to the court that the public could view. The lawsuit is alleging that Craig Wright and Dave Kleinman mined 1.1 million Bitcoins together. And now that Dave Kleinman has died, unfortunately, he's, Craig Wright is not giving any of this Bitcoin to the estate of Dave Kleinman. But here's the real news. The lawsuit doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter who owns these Bitcoins and who's going to get them. That's not what we're covering today. It's whether Craig Wright might be Satoshi. Because there is strong evidence that whoever mined the Bitcoin Genesis block, and the Bitcoin Genesis block was definitely mined by Satoshi. There is strong evidence, based on IP address tracing and the like, that Satoshi Nakamoto mined exactly 1.1 million Bitcoins, which is the exact amount of Bitcoins that Dave Kleinman and Craig Wright mined together. But as could clearly be seen, Craig Wright's the one that came up with the idea and brought Dave Kleinman in. So if there's any Satoshi Nakamoto based on this evidence, it's Craig Wright. And then it goes further than that. Craig Wright claimed to be Satoshi. He went out publicly and said, I am Satoshi. And no one believed him. So he flew out Gavin Anderson. And Gavin Anderson was the head of the Bitcoin Foundation before some controversy took him down from that position. And he's one of the earliest developers of Bitcoin. He was so early into Bitcoin, he actually worked with Satoshi Nakamoto himself over email. And then Craig Wright, way later in the past year, started sending emails to Gavin Anderson saying he is Satoshi. And Gavin Anderson said... The email sounded a lot like Satoshi, so he agreed to meet Craig Wright so Craig Wright could prove that he is Satoshi Nakamoto. And the best way for someone to prove that they're Satoshi Nakamoto is to sign messages with the wallet from the Genesis block of Bitcoin, because the Genesis block of Bitcoin was mined by Satoshi Nakamoto, and Satoshi Nakamoto received the Bitcoins into the wallet from that Genesis block mining reward. So if someone held that wallet, and that person would be Satoshi Nakamoto unless they robbed Satoshi Nakamoto, which is unlikely. Um, so they'd be Satoshi Nakamoto and they could use their private key to sign a message from that wallet. And this is a tool that Bitcoin has that most people don't use. You can actually sign messages with your private key to prove ownership of your wallet. Most people don't do that unless they're highly advanced. But anyways, Gavin Anderson and Craig Wright are both highly advanced people. And they would use signing messages to prove ownership and to prove who is Satoshi Nakamoto. So anyways, Gavin Anderson met Craig Wright in person and to make sure there's no tricks or anything, Craig Wright went out to the store with Gavin Anderson, bought a brand new computer. They then downloaded a version of Electrum into the computer from the internet, totally unhacked. And some people don't want this to be true. They don't want Craig Wright to be Satoshi Nakamoto because Craig Wright has come out against Bitcoin during the segregated witness uh, controversy, which divided the whole community. Craig Wright said that Bitcoin Cash is now the real Bitcoin. I totally disagree with that. But anyways, people don't want to believe Craig Wright could be Satoshi, even if he provides hard evidence because of this. They don't want to believe that someone that likes Bitcoin Cash could be Satoshi. But anyways, Craig Wright signed messages with the private key from the Genesis block proving that he is Satoshi Nakamoto. He did not present this evidence online, however. He only showed it to Gavin Anderson. And Gavin Anderson, without a shadow of a doubt, says that Craig Wright is Satoshi Nakamoto, and he believes that what he showed is true. People that don't want to believe Craig Wright is Satoshi are saying that he made it up, that he, by hacking the computer, by hacking the program. But you can't really hack it if it's really done correctly. If this truly was a brand new computer from the store, 
if this truly was an Electrum wallet that was just downloaded from the internet and then he signed a message of it, that's the end of it. He is Satoshi. Or at least he has control of the wallet somehow. That's what it proves, really. You can't really prove you're Satoshi by that. You would. It's impossible to prove you're Satoshi if it comes down to that. But anyways, it appears he did sign the message and Gavin Anderson believed him. And Gavin Anderson is not someone to be fooled. Gavin Anderson is one of the lead developers of Bitcoin from the beginning. He would not be fooled in any single way by this. I'm sure he'd be very thorough articulate and critical of this process and in the end he says Craig Wright is Satoshi so there's that and now for our next half for a Satoshi analysis Satoshi might be writing a book yes space cadet someone published a website called the Nakamoto Family Foundation and they published a paper called duality and they say this is the beginning of a book about Bitcoin and they claim to be Satoshi Nakamoto and they say if there's interest, they'll write the entire book. But what they published already is pretty much a short book, at least. And it has extreme in-depth details into the early days of Bitcoin, if it's true. Anyways, when I read this book, I thought for sure this must be Satoshi. Because there's just in-depth details that someone really couldn't make up. Anyways, it explains how Satoshi took great precautions... To make sure he would be anonymous, he used Tor, which is a way that people hide themselves on the deep web. He hid his IP. He found ways to pay for domain names anonymously. Like, he bought Bitcoin.org, which has been given to some of the early Bitcoin people now, and it's worth tons and tons of money. But anyways, he's the one who bought it, but he did it anonymously, so no one would know who he is. There is actually no way to trace Satoshi to a real person, and that was his goal. And it ended up being a really good idea. Satoshi claims that... He had no more desire to work on Bitcoin after some time because there was threats to him. He doesn't disclose what these threats were, but he clearly says that someone was threatening him or something, and so he left because he knew Bitcoin was already in good hands. This author, who is claiming to be Satoshi, says that he used and referenced previous ideas like Hashcash, Digicash, B-Money, Electronic Cash, and Bitgold for his idea, but he made sure to only reference the good aspects of these ideas and not how they failed. But he also made sure to give proof and to work with the people from these previous ideas because in the cryptography community, it was a small community and he wanted the reputable people in that community to be on his side so Bitcoin could have a chance to thrive. He didn't want people to hate Bitcoin because he didn't reference them. In the duality paper that the supposed Satoshi wrote, he says Hal Finney was essential for the survival and early development of Bitcoin. Hal Finney is known as the person that received the first Bitcoin transaction. He received 10 Bitcoins from Satoshi himself, which is now worth about $70,000, but back then it was worth probably like a penny or less. There's probably no Bitcoin exchanges yet. But anyways, not only did Halfini receive the first Bitcoin transaction, which is a major milestone, he was running one of the first Bitcoin nodes. And for a while, maybe weeks or months, Halfini's node was the only node accepting incoming peers to allow people to download the Bitcoin network blockchain and therefore run on the Bitcoin network and to facilitate incoming transactions too. So without Hal Finney, Bitcoin wouldn't have survived, it appears. There would have been no nodes to make it active. It would have just been a dead project right from the beginning. But Hal Finney kept it going until it started gaining more popularity. Aside from that, during emergency situations, Hal Finney worked with Satoshi Nakamoto to make sure Bitcoin was fixed correctly. And that took a lot of work. They'd work all night some nights to fix problems that happened that crashed Bitcoin. Because in the beginning, Bitcoin was very volatile it wasn't perfect and it took 
a whole lot of effort from many different developers, including Satoshi, Gavin Anderson, Hal Finney, many others. Some other interesting tidbits from this duality paper supposedly written by Satoshi is that at first the blockchain was supposed to be called the time chain, forks were supposed to be called the branch point, and the block reward would have been 42, which is a reference to the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. In the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, they find a computer that says it could give you the answer to anything, so they ask, what's the answer to the life, the universe, and everything? And the computer says 42. So that would have been a good joke to put in, but he thought people would have thought Bitcoin was less serious if he did that, so he chose 50 for the first block reward, and now it's, it halved to 25 and then to 12 and a half, which is where it's at now. And it seems to me, why would someone make this stuff up, and how could they make it up, actually? I mean, there's a reason they would make it up to sound like Satoshi, but it's like, how could they make up such details? And overall, if you read this paper on the Satoshi, or it's actually the Nakamoto Family Foundation website, the duality paper, it really sounds like it's Satoshi. But here's something really interesting. Craig Wright came out and said that this is not Satoshi. And as you can remember from the previous segment, I was saying Craig Wright is Satoshi or might be Satoshi, but this gets really confusing at this point. So someone wrote this duality paper that really sounds like Satoshi, and then Craig Wright, where there's a lot of evidence saying he's Satoshi, and then he said he's Satoshi, and then Gavin Anderson said Craig Wright is Satoshi, he's saying that this duality paper was not written by Satoshi, it's written by an impersonator. So it gets really confusing. Either one of them is Satoshi or neither of them are Satoshi. And it obfuscates the entire thing. It's really confusing at this point. It would have made a lot of sense if Craig Wright said nothing about this paper, or he said he wrote the paper. Instead, he's saying that Satoshi definitely didn't write that paper. Maybe he's doing it on purpose to confuse everyone. But I think the safest way to approach this is just to realize Satoshi did his job in the past. He made Bitcoin. He wanted to disappear. He has disappeared. And there's no purpose in trying to dig him up at this point. It's actually bad for him if he got digging up. He would get in trouble. His Bitcoins might get seized. He might get killed, God forbid. So we should just leave Satoshi alone. But it's really interesting to dig into the past and figure out the history of Satoshi because there's a lot of interesting things that happened back then that have defined Bitcoin since then. And that's all we have for this August 9th, 2018 edition of the BitcoinNews.com daily radio show. This was our sixth episode. Go to BitcoinNews.com for 24-7 Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, and blockchain news. We cover the full spectrum of news. If you read BitcoinNews.com, you will become an expert in cryptocurrency and blockchain in no time. This is Space Marine signing out. And this is Space Cadet. Thanks for listening.